side. However, uh, the concept of God as a trinity is very important for uh, our discipleship, for our Christian life. There was a study that wasn't done that long ago by a large church um, in the United States, and uh, they were saying, what are some, some things that, that spur people on towards the next level uh, in, their, in their relationship with Jesus Christ? And surprisingly, uh, knowing the Trinity, or understanding at least partly the Trinity early on in one's Christian life is, is one of the catalysts that helps people to grow spiritually. And I was kind of surprised to hear that. But also, this is who God is, and if we want to know God better, we need to at least attempt to uh, understand as much as we can the Trinity, because it's who God is. And also, the Trinity is something that makes, our, makes Christianity unique. There are other religions that have one God. We have one God. Um, um, Islam or Judaism, they all, they're monotheistic religions, meaning one God. But uh, this is something that is very unique and very characteristic of, of our uh, belief. So it's important for us to, to study this and to learn a little bit. So today we will attempt to um, learn a little more, maybe ex- expand our brains and our hearts to accept God who is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So there are some sermon notes online if you have your phone. CornerstoneLines.info, you can follow along uh, there. You can take notes and have them emailed to you. There's some sermon notes on the back if you wanted to just help yourself um, to paper forms, and you could take notes on there as well. And uh, just as uh, if you have Bibles on your phone, you open them up or open up your, your own Bibles, or feel free to borrow one of our Bibles there in the back corner. As you're doing that, I just want to give a couple uh, updates. Uh, this week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, there were... Um, there's a district conference in Regina, and so there's one, two, three, four, five, five of us. Is that right? One, two, three, four, six. Six people from Cornerstone went to the district conference. Uh, Liz Greer was there doing a presentation on prison fellowship, and Rick and Susan Kilbray. Uh, Wes is a representative of our church. He's the chairman of the board as well, Pastor Sam and myself. And uh, so we took the trip there. We were there Monday, Tuesday, and we came back on Wednesday. Um, so we have a new district superintendent. Our present superintendent is retiring shortly. His name was Al Fedoric, and some of you know him, and he's been here uh, to preach. He's taking six months to do nothing, and then um, he's planning on doing something, whatever God calls him to. But, uh, so Al Fedoric um, has finished his term, and he's uh, retiring for now. And so um, Ron Gertzen, you may know him. I think he's spoken here, but he's quite funny. He's one of the people at our district office and uh, so he wrote a song, it was quite funny, for Alpha Doric. And you know Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So he changed the lyrics in about five verses or so. But every time he got to the Hallelujah chorus, it was Alpha Doric. Alpha. And then everyone, like all 200 of us were singing this. It's really quite hilarious. But it was one of the ways that we um, acknowledged all that Alpha Doric had done as our district superintendent. So our new district superintendent, I'm not sure when it starts, soon. Anyways, um, is Reverend uh, Dr. Bernie Vanderwall, and he will, you will get to know him. If you don't know him already, he is a professor at Ambrose University, but not anymore because now he is the district superintendent. He's from Regina. He moved away, came back to Regina, moved away. So he's from this district, and uh, so he and his wife, Colleen, will be moving to Regina soon to be our new district superintendent. And uh, so that's uh, some things that happen. Also, on uh, one of the evenings... Um, Wes and I went and we 
had supper with Jason and Julie Wendell, or Julie Tyson and, and Jason Wendell. And so I don't know them that well yet, but it was fun to have supper with them. And then we went for a walk around Wascana Park and ended up missing receiving an award uh, for 15 years of service with the Christian Mission Alliance. And so I would, my name was announced and I wasn't there. But uh, it was okay. It was better, I think, than what we did. And uh, so it was great to get to know them a little bit as well. Anyways, that's a little bit of update of uh, what happened. Oh, and Pastor Sam is no longer on the district executive committee. He finished his term, and a new treasurer has been appointed. So uh, it was a lot of work. Sam was uh, probably a bit busier than he thought, uh, but um, he is not the treasurer on the district executive committee uh, anymore. But, um, so that's that. So the Trinity, it's important for us, as I mentioned, to understand as much as we can. I mean, it's going to be a mystery. We will never fully comprehend it. But if you have your notes there, I think I've done the introduction already. Uh, the Trinity is something that um, we have been able to verbalize and at least write down some of what the Trinity means because of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of really smart theologians and the church getting together and having councils where they would meet and hash these things out. And it wasn't something that was really easy for us to understand, but we're standing on shoulders of spiritual and theological giants when we proclaim the Trinity, but this is a core facet of our belief. And the Trinity, there are hints of the Trinity. There's a hint that God is plural throughout the Old Testament. And then Jesus comes along, and we understand he, from the Scripture, he's God. I and the Father are one, he's saying. And then he ascends, and the Holy Spirit comes, and all the same attributes that are attributed to God and same characteristics are also attributed to Jesus and also to the Holy Spirit. And so through hundreds and hundreds of years, our church has come to proclaim the Trinity as this is who God is. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But that's easy then to think, oh, there's three gods then, right? The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But that is heresy. It is not true. There's one God. It's, it's quite hard to understand. So you've heard of many analogies. They all don't work. All of the analogies end up being labeled as one of the, the uh, heresies throughout the centuries. Sometimes, you know, there's the yolk and the, and the white part and the shell. So there's, you know, three, one egg, right, but three things. But that can't really be a good analogy for who God is because the yolk can't also be, I mean, they're still separate. And we're not talking about three separate gods. Sometimes people talk about his relationship, right? So I, I'm, I'm a father, I'm also a brother, I'm also a husband, but I'm one person. And so... Um, that might help us, but not really because I can't be like a father and a brother to the same person at the same time. And so it's almost like when we picture God and some of these analogies, like he's wearing a mask, you know, he's Holy Spirit now, but that now he's, you know, son and, then, and now he's Holy you know, Father, but he's always all three. So it gets um, confusing. And there's names for all these heresies. We won't get into them, but it's important for us to understand that God is the Father God is the Holy Spirit. God is the Son. But the Son and the Holy Spirit are different. And the Holy Spirit and God are different. And God and the, like, they aren't the same. They're different. And so I'm just going to give you the core elements of what we have come to understand, who God is. And you've got these in your notes as well. You may have seen this, um, a little fancier version of this triangle in some older churches. We have stained, they have stained glass windows, and maybe it's written in Latin. And you come into a church, and you see this, and just a reminder that Father and Holy Spirit and Son, and 
this is the tray, it's God, and they're not the same. Or, you know, some churches will have uh, stained glass windows of uh, kind of the journey of Jesus' life. And as you're sitting there worshiping, it's a good you know, visual reminder of, of who Jesus is, one way to worship. But anyways, this is, Father is God, see, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit, they're all God. But they're not three gods, it's still one God, and the Father's not the same as the Holy Spirit, it's not the same as the Son, it's not the same as the Father. So we affirm that God is one, the unity of God in three persons. Somehow, God is beyond our comprehension, but this is orthodox Christian belief. We also affirm that each one of these, the fathers, are all uh, eternal. The Son was not created when he became incarnate in flesh. The Son has always existed. The Holy Spirit has always existed. All three are uh, eternal. Each one of the shared and equal deity, so there's, they're, they're, all, they're shared equal, they're all God. One isn't like not God and one is God. They're all, everything about God is in Jesus. Everything about God is in the Holy Spirit. Everything about God is in the Father. Another core tenet is the Trinity includes, there's distinction in roles and relationships within the Godhead, but there's still just one God. And finally, the Trinity will always be a mystery. But this is a core tenet of our belief. It's important for us to understand who God is. And I hope that today, as we look at some of the scripture verses and as we talk about who God is, that we come to appreciate a little more um, who he is and how he relates to us and then how we relate to other people. It's just good to know someone better. right? So maybe, hopefully, this helps us get to know God a little bit better. There are places in your notes as, as I'm talking to, to write things down so you remember them later. First of all, there's one God, there's three persons, but how does that you know, really work? Because there are things like this. The Spirit of Christ, um, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of Christ in some verses. So we see if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So how can that be? Or how can it be that Jesus can say something like this? In John chapter 14, he says, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me, this is Jesus, right, has seen the Father. Like, how can you say, show us uh, the Father? And then verse 10, Don't you believe that this is Jesus, right? I am in the Father and that the Father is in me. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. How, do, how does this how do they relate? How does this even work? We don't really understand what's going on inside of God. But we see in Scripture there's this dynamic relationship. And so there is this Greek word, and I'll give you a um, the theological term of the day. It's called perichoresis. It means um, like rotate or revolve, or you put those two words together, and then can you imagine the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit kind of rotate, revolving, and somehow this was the word that we came up with to describe this dynamic relationship. One God, but there's this revolving or rotating. It's called perichoresis in case uh, you like those kinds of things. How does this work together? Michael Bird, who is a theologian, I think he's from Australia, maybe New Zealand. What's the difference? I don't know. I know. Sorry. There is a, it's like when I was in Japan, people thought I was in China all the time. But anyways, I understand New Zealand and Australia is different especially because of uh, we're closely related to people in New Zealand. Michael Bird says, The oneness of God is, uh, is 
a oneness of three isolated, you know, persons, but the oneness of three persons who like who permeate, is that a better or pervade somehow each other's being. That's this perichoresis, it's revolving or rotating. They're always like together. Right? And yet they're maybe have different roles and relationships, but they relate to one another in this way. And someone else said, the advantage of believing in the Trinity is not that we get um, an A on our test, right? An A from God for getting the right answer. Remember, to believe something is to act as if it is so. So what does it mean for us to act as if the Trinity is true? To believe that 2 plus 2 equals 4 is to behave accordingly when trying to find out how many apples or dollars are in the house. Okay? But the advantage of believing it is not that we pass the test in arithmetic. Rather, the last sentence there... It is that we can deal much more successfully with reality. How can that be? How can we deal much more successfully with life, with our life, if we affirm the Trinity, if we affirm the triune God? It's not just you know, having a test, having knowledge. How does that affect how we live, the fact that God is three in one, unlike any other religion, any other belief system? And so that's what I want to look at today. There's a long history of heresies that we can get into and, and, uh, and how some of them might lead to a, a belief like Jehovah's Witnesses or, or Mormonism or whatever, but this is not the day I'm, I want to divulge, get into that. I just, this is the Trinity. So this is what we believe. What does it mean? How does that affect our daily lives? And it's a mystery, right? It's kind of, I don't really get it. You know, some people have said, it's like, um, I don't know, is this piano on? You know what those notes those are? Is that a chord? C, E, and G. What chord is that? Okay, whatever you said. I could. See, right? So you put three together and it makes one. Maybe, and you can hear the sound. See, that's like God. Right? Two doesn't work, and one doesn't work, but three. So that maybe helps us to understand a little bit. But again, it breaks down because C on its own is, is not the chord, and, and G on its own is not the chord. But, they also, but with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God on his own, and Son is God. So there's just different kinds of analogies. They, they never really work. But what does it mean for us? First one, there's uh, three ways. It came. It's funny, I Googled uh, this, and I didn't use information on this one, but I Googled, you know, what are, what are implications of, of the Holy Spirit, and... Um, and this one website said there's two implications for the triune God. I said, well, that's funny. Two? Why not three? So I came up with three. And I've got some scripture references here that we can look at. So anyways, the first one is uh, ministry. This is, these three things are how believing and understanding and accepting God as a triune God affects us. And how we can cope better with reality. So the first one is ministry. gives us the model of ministry, which is the model of a servant. Some people have, some theologians have talked about the shyness of God. And not shy in the typical way that we might use this word, where maybe someone who has a very low self-image, they, they're shy because of that, or, or this, you know, always putting myself down. That's, that's not what we mean when, we, when this, these theologians talk about the shyness of God, but the shyness of God, meaning always thinking about the other. Always thinking about 
some, not me, but the benefit of other people. So this, this is the model that we see in, in the Trinity. So for example, um, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not, is not here to like bring attention to, to himself and say, hey, everyone look at me. One of the, the roles of the Holy Spirit is always to, to what? Like point, point to Jesus. So like I could, uh, I'll just do it. It's kind of like this, like the Holy Spirit's hiding behind you. It's like, don't look at me, right? Look at Jesus, right? Look at him. Worship him. Like, don't worship me. Follow him. Don't follow me. Like, it's all about him. Glorify him. Praise him, right? So the, the Holy Spirit is, to, is shy in the sense it's all about Jesus. Like, I'm here to glorify him. And, and I just want you to focus all your attention on Jesus. So verses like this, for example, John 14, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. This is what Jesus is saying, right? You can see this kind of otherness. But when he, another verse, John 16, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll only speak what he hears, and he'll tell you what is yet to come. And so the Holy Spirit is here to to glorify, right, the Son. It's not, about, it's not about himself. It's about the other. Just within, within God. But it's not just the Holy Spirit. It's also um, Jesus as well. Jesus has this shyness about him, and the shyness in that he's always thinking about other people. Jesus said things like this, if I glorify myself, it means nothing. It's not about me. If I glorify myself, if I glorify myself my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one uh, who glorifies me. And so Jesus, Jesus is very, um, he's submissive. He submits to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness, you know, for 40 days to be tempted by the devil, he's, he's submitting to, to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He submits to the Father. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was just you know, in agony. And he said, no, not my will. It's not about me, but your will. This was his prayer, right? Not my will, but your will be done, Father. And he's, he says, I can only do what my fathers do. So there's, there's a submission to, there's, it's about other. But it's not only the Holy Spirit, it's not only the Son, it's also um, God uh, as the Father. There's two times, so these similar words are spoken in the Gospels, at the Transfiguration and the Baptism, and, and this is, God says, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, look what he says, this is my Son, okay, whom I love, with him I'm well pleased, listen to him. So the father, again, there's, there's kind of this shyness in the other. Listen to him. Like he's not saying, oh, and also listen to me. Like don't forget I'm here too. And he's saying, listen to my son. So you can see this revolving and this rotating, this perichoresis, even within God himself. They're, they're submitting to one another. They're, they're mutual submission. They're, they're loving one another. And they're, do you understand that? This, it's a good model of like servanthood, other. It's about the other. And if nothing else in creation existed, if it was only God, this is how he exists. Somehow it's revolving around like that. But not only, that's not only how they relate to each other, that's how they relate to us as well. I mean, what sacrifice did God have to make to have this relationship with his creation and with us, his creatures? Each person in the God had sacrificed a lot. Jesus sacrificed his own life willingly. He gave up his life 
God gave up his son and the Holy Spirit, I mean, the Holy Spirit was never grieved until, until he entered into this relationship with humanity. So they, they're always thinking about others. This is a good model uh, for us. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve right, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as we are serving others, let's remember this is our, the God who we serve and can that be a model you know, for us? It's, it's about others. Let's put others first. In the same way that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are mutually submitting, we can be mutually submissive and, and let's serve, right? Always serving. There's this outgoing nature. So that's, that's one way. Another way in missions, being sending and also being sent. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20, Jesus says these words, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is, he's on mission. God has been on mission since the beginning of creation to, to reconcile the world, to live in, like, mission. Go and make disciples of all nations. So when we do go, and when we do make disciples, we're just, we're just being a mirror of the Trinity, of who God is. And then John chapter... At 20, Jesus says this, peace be with you. And this is what he says, as the Father has sent me. Okay, so God the Father sends the Son. Now he says, I am sending you. See how that works? God the Father sends God the Son. And God the Son sends us. And then he ascends, and, and who's sent? And then the Holy Spirit is sent in Acts chapter 1. You will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Father sends the Son. The Son sends us. God sends the Spirit to us to be witnesses uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And one of the strong points of our denomination is that we, are, we emphasize um, the mission movement. We emphasize making disciples of all nations, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And I wish you could have heard some of the stories that we heard at District Conference, uh, but it's... it's um, it's part of our DNA. It's part of who we are because, why? It's part of who God is, just on his own, in himself. He's a sending God. He's a God who is sent, and he also sends. And so some of us send, and some of us are sent, and sometimes we're sent, and then sometimes we're, we send. And we, it's, this is part of what it means for us to reflect God's image. Not only in ministry, not only missions, but also just in community. First John 4, 8 says, God is love. At the very core of who he is, God is love. He's not potentially loving. He is loving. God is love. And so if you can imagine, what was God doing before the creation of the world? Because he existed, right? These things, these chairs and stuff, they're, all, they're not eternal. God is eternal. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What was God doing? He's loving. You can see he's in this loving relationship right from the very beginning. And yes, God is holy and God is faithful and there's all these other attitudes to God. But behind all of that, he's only holy because he's love. He's only faithful because he's love at the very core. So God couldn't have been holy when nothing else existed because the holiness is being set apart from sin or setting apart from, from rebellion or set apart. You know, but you can't. There's no way, right? He is holy because he's loving. 
anything that God is starts with this core of who he is. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. At the very core, this is who he is. And that's really important because other religions don't have a God who is love. Even if it's a monotheistic religion, it's just a single, like you can't love if there's nothing to love or no one to love, right? Let's just, just love myself. That doesn't work. That's not called love. That's called something else. So we have this. This is, this is, it's like you get deep into theology and you get deep into scripture and you think, man, this is just perfect. Like there's so beautiful. God's thought of everything, but it's not like he planned it. It just, it's who he is. Other religions have, have lots of gods and they're all fighting for power and authority and, and maybe one of the gods is more powerful than the other. We don't have three different gods. The Father is not in, superior to the Holy Spirit and, and the Holy Spirit is not inferior to the Son. Each one is God in its own right. It's, a, it's how it is. So this is, at the very core, it's God is love. And so that's who we serve. That's who we worship. God is love, the very core of who he is. And so some theologians will say he was just loving this relationship, you know, it was revolving and rotating, and, and he invited us. So he created in order to invite his creation into that loving relationship with him. And parts of creation, and some of us have resisted that. This is his goal, just to, it's just an overflow, but come into this relationship. Just as the, as the son is in the father, we, we're in the son because that's Paul's favorite words, in Christ, we are in Christ. And so if we're in Christ, we're, we're in that somehow. And I don't understand that, so I'm not going to preach on that. That's called theosis, so you can Google that if you want. But we're part of that somehow because he's loving. And so how could these affect the way we live our daily lives? Our, just the way we, we love one another, we can do that because God is love. Putting others first, our commitment to, um, to ministry. One of the other catalysts for spiritual growth, um, for, for people at different stages in their spiritual life, there's different catalysts. For some, for some people, small groups work really well. For some people, Sunday morning services work really well. But for any group, one of the best catalysts for spiritual growth is serving. Serving, other, serving in church, serving outside of church, serving other people. And many people say if they go on a missions trip, they think, I went there to bless these people, but man, they blessed me more than like, I could ever imagine. I've, you've probably heard that testimony every single time someone has gone to serve or they've gone to the inner city or to the north end or the west end. Or there's, why? Why would that be? That's who God is. He's a God who thinks about others. So we're just doing what we were created for. That's what feels so good. And Some of these ways are ways that we reflect the Trinitarian. When we worship, we're not just worshiping the Son, we're not just worshiping the Father, we're not just worshiping the Holy Spirit. This is God in a complete picture. And so there are hints that God is plural throughout the Old Testament. And then Jesus comes along, we understand he's God, and then all through the New Testament there's times where, where God and the Holy Spirit and the, the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Son are all together and we realize this is it, this is the Trinity. And I'm so thankful for these years and years and centuries of people that have gone before us. We don't have to start from scratch and like read, try to take hundreds because I don't live to be a hundred, so I never would understand it. And sometimes I think some of the um, some of the debates and discussions and things that are going on today within the Christian church. I think 
you know, it took several hundred years for us to understand what it meant for Jesus to be fully God and fully human. And it was very helpful because you think of something and you don't realize, oh, but that doesn't line up with Scripture over here or the character. And other people helped, so it took a long... I wonder, I mean, how long will it take for us to, to settle down on some of these doctrines or things you're struggling with? So it helps me to maybe be a little bit patient. God's patient, right? He's patient with us. And so, anyways, this is... Um, I hope this is helpful for you. I hope it helps you to appreciate who God is a little bit more. And remember, he is triune. He lives in community. He's on mission. All of these things, what can you be doing to live as, as though you worship a God who is Trinity and not just a single monad or single person? I'm going to leave that with you, and uh, we're not done because we have communion, and I want to celebrate communion together. We'll be doing um, a little more... Um, back and forth, so there'll still be some words, prayers uh, on the screen, and, and let's do this not as a bunch of individuals sitting beside or in front of each other, let's do this as, as a community, and so the words on the screen will help us to remember that we are one, uh, we are somehow part of this trinity, we're, we're in God somehow, through Jesus Christ, that's amazing, and so today we will celebrate more with a focus on community and as oneness as we celebrate the communion. So I'll pray, and then the worship team will lead us in one verse of this song, Jesus, and then we'll celebrate communion and we'll sing at the end. So let me just pray right now. Heavenly Father, oh, you're amazing. And there are so many things about you that we can't understand because you are so much greater than we are. But I thank you that we can understand you a little more all the time. And we can know a little bit more about you. Thank you for the written word. It's so incredible. Help us to study that more and help us to to understand what we're reading. Thank you for just being who you are. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your example to us. And I just thank you that you have brought us into this world from your love. Help us to reflect you to the people around us. Pray this in Jesus' name.